Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. We have big feelings for Fridays. Is it because Fridays also mean free fries at McDonald's? Free McDonald's fries. It's okay if you need a minute. Free fries Friday. Get free medium fries with any $1 purchase. Valid one time on Friday through 12-31-24. Average to McDonald's. Excludes tax. Must opt into rewards. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, interviews with some of the biggest names in music. Thank you for checking it out. As uh, we bring you some of these interviews on the podcast, we appreciate you subscribing and listening and uh, if you are a listener of SiriusXM and you have SiriusXM in the U.S. or Canada and you listen to volume every day, some of this stuff you may have heard already. For those that don't have SiriusXM, it's a chance for you to sample what I do on a daily basis on the radio. Remember, if you only listen to this podcast and you can get Sirius or XM radio and you don't have it, you are only getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis live on the radio. So please come on and join me every Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 Eastern, Talk and Rock on Volume Channel 106. Nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Also have a sixth show on Sirius XM. That's on Mondays, 5 to 8 Eastern on Hair Nation. There is a terrestrial radio show. There's all sorts of good stuff going on. Follow on social media as well, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Fan page on Facebook for info and updates on everything going down. Uh, As you're hearing this, I'm on board Cruise to the Edge, the progressive rock cruise, doing some radio shows from that and covering the world of Prague. So hopefully you join me on the radio and enjoy some of what's happening on the high seas this week. Again, all the interviews you hear on the podcast originated on the radio show live, and uh, we bring you some samples of those interviews here every week on the podcast with new episodes on Thursday. This week we have two. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Mark Tremonti, the phenomenal guitarist from Alter Bridge, Creed, the Tremonti Band, Mark did something completely out of left field for a guy into heavy rock, an album of all Sinatra songs with him covering and singing Frank Sinatra. We'll talk about that with Tremonti coming up in just a bit. But we start off with an old friend 
who is best known in the professional wrestling world and now getting rapidly more known in the rock world as well as his band Fozzie continues to do very, very well at rock radio and very well touring out there. I'm talking, of course, about Chris Jericho. Jericho checked in to talk about the tour that Fozzie was on at the time, a little bit of wrestling stuff, and just how he's built this band and put a lot into it over the years. So we'll put Jericho on first and visit with him coming up a little bit later on this double dip. You'll get Mark Tremonti. But let's start with Chris right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The, the, the big difference between the Grammys and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, both utterly clueless uh, and zero regard for rock or hard rock music. But the difference is, which I've always felt, is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's disdain, blatant disdain for heavy music. Uh, and, and even at this point, you can make the case rock in general, <laughs> as far as anything remotely hard rock, uh, is, is intentional. Their voting committee just doesn't like it. Their nominating committee doesn't like it. Again, there have been improvements. You can't say there hasn't. There has been improvements with that, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cheap Trick, Heart, Rush, Kiss, uh, countless others. So there's improvement, but it's still not even close to where it should be. The Grammys, they just don't have a clue, and they just do not know what they're doing, and they have not... Since our caller said, and I've said many times, going back to Tull over Metallica, ever since it's been a joke and anybody deep down inside knows it. And again, it doesn't mean you you shit on the people who actually win. It's not their fault. Of course, they should be happy that they won. Of course, they'll celebrate that they won. But honestly, if you really t look at it, I mean, you when you're looking at an institution that doesn't even televise the award, that, that has given Grammys to Judas Priest for a live recording, Motorhead for a cover song. I mean, come on. You, you can't sit there and tell me it's not completely random. You can't tell me the nominating committee listened to 10 minutes of Dream Theater, The Alien, and said, this is the defining metal moment, and this is... I mean, it's not it's nothing against Dream Theater. Congrats to them. It was wonderful to see that. But it just makes the whole thing so hollow because you know it's utterly random at the end of the day. Even Petrucci said in the clip I saw online, because God forbid they would televise it, uh, the, he said, you know, this song is like in a weird time signature and it's nine minutes or whatever. He's like, if, but yeah, <laughs> you know, like you really think that somebody in the Grammy sat there and the yeah. I love the 6-9 time signature in the... No. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, that's, that, they've come up on a ballot a couple times. Yeah, I think we know. Yeah, go ahead. Just give it to them. Eh, whatever. Nobody's seeing it anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> like, they put rock in the same category as, like, the guy that wrote the best liner notes for a jazz record. Like, it's some, uh, some afterthought, some footnote to music. Don't please don't get me started. It, it's just so sickening. It's so sickening. Maybe Chris Jericho can calm me down. Eddie, it's the same way it's always been, man. Rock and roll has always been kind of the redheaded stepchild of the music world. And unless there's a Guns N' Roses or a Metallica in 1991 to lead the charge, it's always. Now, Jericho, your phone dropped. Chris, your phone dropped a second. So what are you telling me, not to worry about it? Yeah, I said don't worry about it, man, because rock and roll has always been the, the redheaded stepchild of the music.
world. And it's just the way that it is. Unless there's a Guns N' Roses or a Metallica in 91 that gets a worldwide huge push, rock and roll is always kind of in the background. We know this. We've always known this. Well, but then again, look what happens live. You're out there. You play festivals all over the world. I mean, I just saw Metallica play to 70,000 people here in Vegas a couple, a few weeks ago. So you're saying we need a new band to do that, and I agree with you. My question to you is, have you in your travels, besides Fozzie, of course, <laughs> seen any new bands coming on the horizon that are basically going to fill that? Is there any new? Have you seen any new young bands out there that you think could bring rock back to the prominence that we had in the 80s? Well, Eddie, but now you're going into the business standpoint of things. Is there bands that could do it? Of course there is. I mean, you look at the Struts, or if you look at you know Greta, or you look at you know some of those types of bands, Dirty Honey and Hailstorm, or you mentioned Fozzie, you know, a good time rock and roll band, but you have to have the industry behind you. And that's what I mean by Guns N' Roses or Metallica in 91. Those bands were always great, but it was the industry getting behind them, the, the decision makers getting behind them. And you know how that works. And it's just it's, until the next rock band is kind of deemed that, I don't think you're going to see rock in the forefront. So I, I don't think it's worth getting angry about because we know that the arenas are still full. Rock and roll is alive and well. And we shouldn't worry with the Grammys thinking with the Rock and Hall, Hall of Fame thing. Says who gives a shit anyways? You know, it's like Chuck D said, who cares if I want a freaking Grammy? I think that most of the bands feel that way. You know, I, I've said this many times, and I know we're going to talk about your band and all that here in a second. But, you know, I've said this many times. My concern is not, I believe there's a lot of great young rock bands coming up. There's a lot I'm very excited about. But my concern is I don't think, Chris, people care enough. Uh, they don't have the same relationship we had with music when we grew up. It's okay. so disposable now. It's click, 30 seconds, I don't like it, move on. It's not waiting in line at the record store. It's not making the $12 investment. It's not you got the best seat because you slept over at night. It's not that connection anymore. It, it doesn't have that same passion and importance. And I'm talking about music across all genres. I think that's one of the biggest problems that I see. I agree with you a thousand percent. We were just talking about the other day going to a record store. I, I vividly remember somewhere in time, Iron Maiden, 1986, and you were looking in Circus Magazine and it said the new Iron Maiden record is out in September. Didn't tell you really when. You just knew, okay, it's coming out soon. Getting on the bus, going downtown, walking into the record store and saying, is it out yet? Nope. Shit. Okay. Next Saturday, is it out yet? Nope. Next Saturday, walking in and hearing Heaven Can Wait, obviously not knowing what the song was, but just knowing that's Bruce Dickinson, that's Iron Maiden, and here you go, the whole wall is filled with Somewhere in Time album. Yeah. And you grab one and you look at it. And you, and it's a, that experience is gone. A lot of that type of experiences are gone for, for kids nowadays. So there isn't the same relationship where you know who played rhythm guitar you know, on the painkiller record or, or, you know, you know, the, the, knowing the names of the bands and uh, the band members and all that sort of stuff is kind of out the window. And it's so fragmented for all different genres that it is hard to kind of see who's going to be the next new band. But, but Greta Van Fleet is kind of the closest that we have that has been deemed that by the industry to the fact that they're playing a sold out arena tour at what, 22 years old. That's a good sign. Somebody in the music industry went, this is the next big thing in rock and roll. Let's give them the push and give them all the, the, the press and give them all the love to make them into that. And they are. So congratulations. At least one of them 
slip through the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the cracks of, of the music industry, shall we say. Well, yeah, and you're right, and you make up a really good point there when you say the industry sort of christened them because before, and this isn't a hit on Greta or their ability or anything, but before that I even heard a note of that band, I heard a buzz in the industry that they were going right. to be the chosen ones to get all that push. So you're 100% right, that I don't, and I don't know how that happens. I don't know if it's, if it's you know political, if it's palm greasing, if it's just good marketing, getting buzz out there, planting seeds. I don't know how that happens, but you're right in that there are those instances where somebody is basically anointed and given that push and it doesn't happen very often but there are bands that get that and i don't know how that happens i i don't know how it happens either and it's one of the worst things i mean obviously uh the, the, the point of taylor hawkins passing away on a personal level great guy great musician awesome performer but what it really hurts is the foo fighters as well uh, and it hurts rock and roll as well, because if the Foo Fighters go down, if Dave can't continue, we just lost the biggest rock and roll band in the world that's not named Metallica or U2 that can play stadiums, headline festivals that were basically in the prime of their career, early 50s, which in this day and age, early 50s is early 30s, 10 years ago. So to me, it sucks all across the board. And if you lose a band like the Foo Fighters, who's going to pick up the slack? And thankfully, listen, I don't care if you like Greta Van Sleet or not. If you like rock and roll, if you're in a rock band, it's awesome that they have been given that anointed uh, annotation, if that's the word, and the fact that they're playing arenas and selling them out because it's good for all of us to know that at least somebody is drawing in a younger crowd and being able to do big numbers. I agree. I've said that many times. No matter where you land on Greta, you got to be happy about it and feel good about it because it's good for rock and roll. The other one is Ghost. Ghost is yeah, doing great totally. business out there, and I say the same thing with them. I don't care where you land on them, whether you like them, whether you don't get them, whether you dislike them, whatever the case may be. That's another, and that's a band that's out with a big production. They've got like uh, their manager told me like nine trucks out there right now. I mean, yeah. they are like putting on a big, big show, and that also is a rock band, and that's a good sign. One other thing before I talk to you about your own band is uh, I don't think for a minute that Foo Fighters end. You think there's a chance they end because Taylor passed away? Hey, ask Robert Plant if he's ever going to do Led Zeppelin again. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, but the difference, the difference is, the difference is, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to Foo Fighters who all contribute greatly, but we all know Foo Fighters is Dave Grohl's thing and Dave is still there. And there was a drummer before Taylor, if you want to get technical. So I, I don't, I, I, although I think there's going to be a long... Yeah, but I, mean, I don't want—I I don't want to have a debate on the Foo Fighters. But my point is, like those guys were best buds. They were two peas in a pod. You know, I'm not saying Dave's going to retire from music. I think he's probably going to go more into a Sammy Hagar uh, territory and just be Dave Grohl, which could also headline festivals and stadiums. But like I said, I don't know. I haven't spoken to Dave, but it would seem that's a pretty big loss just to bounce back and get somebody else in on drums when that was your best friend and, and your 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 partner in so many different ways. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd be utterly shocked if they didn't continue. I think it's too big of a machine, and although there's going to be understandably some grieving time and everything, eventually they're going to come around to figuring it out, what they're going to do, and, and moving forward. He absolutely did so. make they uh, he absolutely did make him his co 
is his other face of that band. There's no question about that. But I think that eventually uh, they will, you know, they will continue on. But we'll see. We'll see. If that's a conversation for for another time. So what are you doing? You're out now with Fozzie, right? You guys are out. I thought I think I saw you're in Wisconsin tonight. You're in the middle of a tour, right? Yeah, we're back out again. Um, we were out in September, October, which was a good tour. But it's even better now. Because now more than ever, people are, are all on board and coming out to the shows. So our gigs have all been great. And it's just cool to see that now, I think it was still a little bit tentative in September and October. People were buying tickets and then kind of backing out last minute and not showing up. So you'd go to a sold-out show and there'd be half a crowd. Not because people got refunds. They just didn't go to the gig. They just left their ticket at home. Uh, now we're seeing that they're all uh, coming back, and it's interesting. It's going back to the early 2000s where walk-ups are huge again. Walk-ups kind of went away, which is getting into technical rock and roll business terms, but that's kind of what we do here. Uh, walk-ups meaning people who show up day of the show and buy their tickets at the box office. Before, you'd have you know 10 walk-ups. Now we're seeing 15 20% of the whole crowd is coming last minute which is a little bit nerve-wracking as a band but once you see that there's a pattern it's just cool to know that 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 that's the kind of the new normal of people going to rock shows but it's been great for us what do you think what do you attribute that to people uh walking up as far as opposed to buying tickets in advance do you think it's because of covid still that they're worried about let me make sure we're all okay i think so i think people are worried about you know are the murder harness going to show up um, you know, is there something else coming out? Uh, those poor murder harness got uh, got a got a raw deal. Uh, is the band going to be there? You know, I, I think people are just waiting and knowing. Okay, like we we want to go, but let's just maybe make sure that the show is happening because um, you can see that I mean, we've kind of been mapping it out with a lot of bands. Most bands actually uh, are seeing it, but there's a lot of last minute traffic. So I think it's it's yeah, people realizing that it's not like it was before where you get them early kids now it's kind of like okay well i think the show's going to happen and i see the band is on to on tour and they're on the road and the shows are happening let's go you know uh, so it, it's kind of really lending back to like i said like it was in the early 2000s where the word of mouth is more important than ever before because now people are hearing a buzz and, and wanting to be a part of the show well yeah and i talked about earlier we all kind of want to be in this and we hope we're in this mindset where this this COVID is not a thing and we don't have to worry about it as, as restrictions come down more and more and you feel like we're kind of finally on the other side of this. But the other problem is uh, it, it really isn't. As I just, two guys you know and two guys that, that we're both friends with, uh, Andy from Black Veil Brides uh, just suspended their tour because he mm-hmm. got COVID and some other people on the, on the show. And our good friend Portnoy just announced he's got COVID. Now, thankfully, he wasn't on the road. So it is, as much as we kind of want to feel like we've moved past it, it is still something that's going on. It is still showing up and causing more of an inconvenience than anything for bands that are out there on the road. How are you guys dealing with it? And where are you at on it? Uh, I mean, we've been, we've been fine. You know, we've, we've been good. We were in England uh, in December, which was amazing for us. And I think it's just at this point, it's just the way of the world. Um, I don't think it's ever disappearing. You know, um, and I think you just use your common sense. And that's what happened with Mikey and that's what happened with Andy. They just were feeling sick. And then if you start getting that feeling, you, 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 you know, you, you go into the isolation that you need to. But I think at this point in time, waiting for a COVID free world is not going to happen. So you get on with it, man. And I think that's the best way to be. And I think that's why there's so many bands out there touring and playing. I mean, you're in Vegas, you're seeing bands every night. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I think that we're now realizing that. 
it is now once again the new normal. I think it's almost, you know, obviously some people still get it very bad and it sucks, but it's almost like a a flu or pneumonia or something along those lines where if you get it, you take care of it. You can't live your life terrified of it because I think we went through that for 18 months and everybody's kind of over that and wants to just go out there and, and be a part of something again. You know, obviously, the other thing that that you're so well known for is wrestling. And I remember during the height of the pandemic, one of the only sports that was happening was wrestling. Yeah. And you you were actually wrestling. I remember I saw you on TV, yeah. and you were actually doing it without an audience at at That's one right. point. How is where we where are you at on the wrestling side of things right now, as far as with COVID and just in general with your career there, as far as what you're looking to do going forward. We've been back on the road since June, and it's it's been amazing. You know, you're back to full arenas, but yeah, it was it was it was a drag wrestling in front of no people. It's like playing a rock and roll show in front of no people. There's no reaction. There's no instant gratification to what you're doing. Um, but we had to just keep the lights on. You know, we had a live TV show that we had to do every week, and I think that's another reason why you know my COVID. Uh, you know, worry was very short because we had to keep rolling and we had to keep traveling. We had to keep, you know, I must've been tested probably, I'd say at least, at least a hundred times, if not 200 over the course of the last, you know, year and a half. Um, when we went to, to the UK in December, there was tests once, twice a day and you just do what you got to do to, to keep it rolling, man, and, and make people feel comfortable. So, because we never stopped working and I never stopped being on the road. I mean, obviously it was cut down, but every two weeks we went to Jacksonville and got a fly to Jacksonville, you know, and be around people and, and, and test and sweat on each other and spit on each other and bleed on each other and be around each other. And, you know, it kind of knocked down a lot of the, the, the fear of just like, you know, we're, we're going to get through this and we got to keep working and got to keep rolling and everybody ended up okay. Some people got it here and there, but, but everyone ended up all right, which was which was great. And once again, it was a great kind of foreshadowing to what we're all experiencing now that listen, if you get it, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Uh, and we got to keep rolling, man. And that's kind of what we're doing. Well, you are rolling. You're on tour right now. Fozzie Save the world 2022. Uh, as I mentioned, it looks like you are in Kansasville, Wisconsin tonight. And this tour rolls through, uh, dates I see on your site through May 16th. You've got a date in New York City uh, coming up, and that's at the Gramercy, April 11th. I've seen you there before. Uh, there's dates all over uh, uh, the website, fozzyrock.com. Uh, you sent me a clip last night. I guess that was a, one of your recent shows, and you had, <laughs> you had all kinds of shit going on on stage. Fire, uh, not fire, but smoke cannons or whatever you're doing. It definitely looks like the production has been upped with each tour you've done. Yeah, well, it, 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 we've really found a really cool vibe of, of doing our own tours and kind of creating the production around that. And, you know, it's it's been great because something huge that happened that we're actually going to have a presentation ceremony at the Gramercy is that Judas, the song, went gold. And as you know, Eddie, how hard that is in this day and yeah. age to get a gold record. Um, we started hearing about a year ago that if things keep going this way, as far as sales and streams and the combination of the two, it's going to hit 500,000 units, you know, equivalent by, you know, February, which it did. So once you get the elusive hit single that Judas was, and then once it goes gold, it's just a completely different, whole different kind of dream come true, you know, and you want the production to kind of match that, you know, you get into a different level now. I mean, there's a lot of bands 
that don't have gold records. And especially to get one in 2022, we really wanted to kind of make it special and make the presentation and production of the band equal to, you know, this huge accomplishment that we, that we did. So it kind of all hand in hand based around this, you know, this, this gold disc, as Ozzy would say, um, being presented to us. And we're going to do that presentation ceremony at the Gramercy uh, on April 11th in New York City. Yeah, well, congratulations on that, because that is no small feat. We just talked about it before uh, during the course of this conversation, how difficult it is for rock to get a foothold in some places. So for you, and I know, I know, and most people know the work you put in to build this band and to have it taken seriously and to not just be the, the, the novelty act from a pro wrestler. I mean, I know how much you put into building this. So congrats. I mean, that's really a hell of an accomplishment. Well, I appreciate that, man. And it's funny because, you know, a gold record is 500,000. Uh, and now it's a combination of sales and streams. And you're going to laugh at this. I think you probably already know, but the equivalent uh, <laughs> 75 million streams is the equivalent of 500,000 units sold nowadays. <laughs> like, is I'm that sure right? I did not know that. Yes. That shows where the artist stands. 75 million. You're thinking, oh, that's got to be, you know, 40 million sold. Nope, that's 500,000. So there you go. That's what you should strive for. 75 million. Now, let me ask you this. Do they take the numbers from all it's, it's compiled from all the streaming services, yes. right? Yes. Yes. It, it, it's, I can give you the insight because it's compiled from all the streaming services. And then we also did about, I think almost 200,000 sales on iTunes of the single itself. So that takes it down a bit, but just on complete streams on all streaming platforms, it's 75 million equals that 500,000. Is it, so does that include YouTube too? Like the lyric videos? YouTube has, I think Judas is at 60 million views on YouTube. It has a bearing, but it's part of all the streams, you know, Spotify and iTunes and Apple music and Alexa. And it's, it's quite an intricate system to the point where once you get the 500,000, you then have to turn over the, the information to an accountant an accountant's firm uh, run by the RIAA or, or in conjunction with that then has to add everything up and tabulate it and make sure that it's official. So it's quite the process, man. It's very interesting, you know, being interested in the business of rock and roll like we are, you know, and, and then, you know, to get the gold plaque. Which one do you choose? It's like going to a, you know, to, to a Lowe's and looking at wallpaper or something. Like, which one should we choose and which design do we need and all that sort of stuff. And who gets one and everything between. It, it was really kind of cool where you're like, man, this is what it's like. And I remember watching MTV, Much Music in Canada, and they did an interview in Rudolf Shankar's house. I don't know what year it was, 89, 92, something. And he had all these gold albums on the wall. And I was like, man, someday, someday. I'll have a gold album on the wall. So it's my first. Rudolph probably has 150, but I've got one, and that's just as important to me. So thanks, Rudolph, for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, I, look, I said in, in my time, it used to be doing what I do and supporting bands that it would be somewhat not common, but it, it would be a kind of the norm 
to have that box show up with with my name on it for a gold or platinum record it meant so much to me to see that come through and to hang that on my wall and now it's it, it just never happens anymore because i think the last one i got was like for a Def Leppard greatest hits or a Motley Crue greatest hits because it was a hits record and it was just at the tail end of people physically buying right. that amount. But the, to see them, I think the last one I got for a new record was Buck Cherry 15, which I got a gold and a platinum. And the other thing I'll say about it is, and I, I'm with you, Chris, to me, it's a really cool thing and it's a really important thing. And we also know that there are a lot of bands out there that sell gold or platinum records on their websites or whatever. First of all, most of the time they are not real gold or platinum records because they're not certified by the RIAA. And secondly, to me, the whole thing about getting one of those, whether it's for me for, you know, as a supportive guy or you as a musician is because you earned it. It's like, you know, you gotta, I don't want to go out and buy yeah. a gold record from Van Halen for women and children first. That's some knockoff because I had nothing to do with that record. To me, the <laughs> yeah. ones that are on my wall are the ones that I actually feel like I had, you know, I, I was supportive and I got it for a reason. So it's funny because people don't have a real understanding of how it works and they'll go to a, a an artist merch thing and say, hey, I just bought a gold record from whatever. Well, number one, it's probably not really gold. And number two, it's not really a, a sanctioned thing. And number two, it's like, I don't know, to me, the whole point is you get that because you earned it, not because it's just some 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 merch thing that you're going to hang on your wall. So I, I think it is important, and I think it's a really cool thing when it happens. I think it's great that you guys were able to do that. Well, once again, we appreciate that, man. And it really adds to you know the, the legitimacy of Fozzie. I mean, you've been there from the start and all the iterations we went through and, and all that sort of stuff. So like I said, man, it's moon goose, man. I was there when it was moon goose. <laughs> you remember that? Exactly. So uh, we've come a long way from that. And it's just, uh, it's cool that, cause I think because of the fact that we've always worked, you know, twice as hard to get respect just because uh, I'm in the band, like, Ooh, how crazy is that? But once you get people's respect, you've got it for, for, for life. And we've really seen that over the last four or five years, just how involved uh, and, and how much skin in the game that our fans have because they've been there for such a long time, or even if they've been there just from the Judas record, which was huge for us, um, they don't even know anything about the early days of Fozzie. So you kind of get both, both sides of the coin. And, and I think that's what creates longevity for a band. Um, you get fans from every generation. And I mean, obviously we see that with, you know, Metallica or the stones or Iron Maiden or whatever you go to their shows and there's little kids there and there's, there's people in their sixties and seventies. And we kind of have that at our gigs as well. You see a lot of little kids, uh, a lot of younger kids, a lot of people my age, our age. And uh, I think that just shows that there's different generations of the Fozzy, you know, elevator. You know, that, that, like Paul Stanley says, it doesn't matter what floor you get on and what floor you get off. We just appreciate you taking the ride for us for a little while. So that's kind of where we're at. And, and things have been really great because of that, especially in the last six months. New album is Boombox. That's coming. And you've got a single out now, another new single, right? Is it Purifier? That's the latest one? Uh, Purifier was the single for Europe. Um, the one here in the States that was actually, it was our biggest, most added song, I Still Burn. It was the number one most added song on rock radio last week. And, you know, it's something that you know this, unless I never realized just how important rock radio still is until you get played on rock radio. It opens up so many doors and just creates so much of a buzz. And that includes Sirius, that includes Octane, it includes iHeart. Um, you know, you got to get that support. And, and for us, 
you know, as you know, there's only so much real estate that you can have as a, as an active rock band, which is what we are now. Five uh, consecutive top ten singles, with with Burn being, you know, the number one most added. I think it was our highest debut ever. So there's momentum there, you know, and that is currency with with people who don't know your band still or are still getting into the band. That radio makes so much of a difference. It's very important. And that's why, you know, I just came from a radio station right now. We're pulled over at a gas station because I screwed up my times and I don't want to be clicking in and out with you on the phone because it's important to talk to you and it's important to go to the radio stations and get that personal relationship uh, because it just it just gets the stations more excited when you put out a song. Yeah, no doubt. Last thing before I let you go is um, I had dinner last night with Bruce Kulik. And we nice. were talk. We were talk because Bruce lives here in Vegas, and it was Zach yeah. Throne's birthday. So myself and Fitz and Kearns and uh, and Bruce and we we went to dinner. And I was sitting with Bruce. We were talking for a while, and he was telling me about this fest, this event that he's doing, and so Creatures is Ace fest. and Vinny. Yeah, this Creatures Fest thing. And he said to me that you were basically doing, and I did not know this. Now, during the pandemic, for people that don't know, Chris did songs online of 80s Kiss, which he's a big fan of, stuff from Revenge, stuff from Crazy Nights. And you put, you put this band together called Quarantine and you did stuff online. I was not aware that you were actually doing live shows with that band because Bruce told me last night that you're actually going to be doing a performance with that band at Creatures Fest. Yeah, it'll actually be our fourth live show. Um, we love playing these tunes, and we put together a band. Uh, PJ's in it, PJ Farley from Fozzie and Tricksters in Quarantine, Joe McGinnis from uh, Kiss Classic, uh, Classic 78, is that yeah? Classic seventy eight. Yeah. Guitar player. Uh, we got Charlie uh, uh, Para from Peru, who's the top guitar player in Peru. He's in the band, and then we got uh, Kent Slusher, who's Luke Bryan's drummer. This is a legit, you know, stadium level Nashville killer on the drums. And we just said, listen, let's play some shows. So we did a couple gigs on my cruise. We played a, a private party, and then we said, well, let's see if we can get some other shows at the Kiss conventions. And Creatures Fest came up, so. We're going to be there, man. And it's funny because during the pandemic, when not a lot of bands were releasing new songs, we put out a single, No, 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 from the Crazy Nights record that got to number 25 on the Billboard Rock Radio charts. Now, the funny thing about that is that's the highest charting single from the Crazy Nights record because uh, Crazy Nights went to 37. Uh, Reason to Live went to 35. <laughs> version of No, No, No went to 25. So we actually had a minor hit single with an obscure Gene Simmons song from the Crazy Nights record. So once that happened, we said, well, let's just keep rolling and keep going. So we put together a set of 12 tunes and we got some killer guitar players to do some guitar fire. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. So we're yeah, kind of making our, our Kiss fan convention debut at Creatures Fest. We're playing the night before Bruce is. Uh, you know, and Bruce is great. They're obviously amazing with what they do. And they got, you know, a killer band with the four piece. And, and we have a five piece with, with me as the front man. So we're really excited to get out there and play some of these tunes. Some of them Bruce does. A lot of them they don't. Uh, and we just had a lot of fun with it. And they're, they're really hard to sing, but really fun to sing. And uh, it just gives me a different, you know, anytime you're a musician, the more colors of paint you can add to your palette, the better it is. So singing these mid-80s Paul Stanley songs and the Gene songs are no easy task, believe me. So uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's a huge challenge as well. Well, even in Bruce's band, 
he he has two different people. One Zach does the Gene, and Todd does the Paul. That's right. So he actually is splitting that up. But but it, it's funny because Bruce was joking about this last night. He said, you know, we actually so so you actually have a scenario where there's. A tri- essentially a tribute to Bruce Kulick, Eric Kiss. And then the next day, Bruce himself plays Bruce Kulick, Eric Kiss. And it's like, it's, 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 it's I had no idea you were out there. I, I didn't even think with your cruise that you may have done it on there, but that's cool. Yeah, the funny thing is we did Heart of Chrome and Bruce Bruce played the, the solo on it. He was in the video, yeah. so he's crossing the streams. If he uh, if he's around, we'll ask him to come play the solo with us if he wants to. But I mean, obviously, you know how much I, I love those, that material. But also, too, so many people don't know that material. Like, no, no, no. People are like, what is this? Is this David Lee Roth? You eat him and smile band? It's like, no, this is Kiss. What? Right. That's not Kiss. And there's so much great material. We just did another a song, which I'm not going to tell you yet, but we're going to put that single out in conjunction uh, of, with Creatures Fest. And it's just all of these songs are so well written and they're so good, great playing, great choruses. But Kiss doesn't focus on them uh, anymore. Besides the you know hide your heart once in a while, tears are falling, that sort of thing. But you know we did love's a deadly weapon. That's almost a thrash metal song. It's so hard to sing and play. You're like, how do people not realize how great Kiss was at this time frame from a musicianship standpoint alone? But that's kind of why we want to play those songs and kind of bring that back uh, to, to people who don't know that era. And for people that do know that era, of course, they think it's the best thing ever because Kiss doesn't play those songs anymore. We do. And now Bruce's band does as well. So there's two of us working the circuit. It's almost going to be like Bobby Blotzer's Rat and uh, <laughs> Stephen Piercy's Rat. <laughs> hey, last thing, last thing, and I'll let you go. You, so I, said, I know you said you're not going to reveal the new one that you did. But can you tell me if it's Gene or Paul? And you, can you tell me what album it comes from? It's a Paul song, and it is from the uh, Hot in the Shade record. Ooh. Now, anybody that knows anything about that record knows there's like 15 songs on it. Yes. So that, that leaves like seven or eight possibilities right there. Yeah, there's seven Paul songs. There's seven, I think there's eight Paul, six Gene, and Eric on that one. And we please, don't tell me, from- please don't tell me you did read my body. <laughs> you never know you know how much of a paul stanley fan i am oh my god jericho please the rewrite of pour some sugar on me come on yeah no we we it's not that one i promise you that it's actually all right uh, once you once you hear it you're gonna go oh my gosh i forgot this one so another uh, there's some songs on there i like silver spoon there's i'm thinking right now the record in my head is I'm, i don't have it in front of me but i'm going through it so all right well i'm, I'm as sure soon as it comes out i'll send it to you you know that so as the kids say, it'll be dropping soon. So we'll look forward exactly. to that. <laughs> I'll hey, try man, and get it on an actual physical CD because you're the last. You're the last DJ that plays the actual. No, CD. no, 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 no. You can send me a wave. I can work with that. But I, when I want to own it physically on CD, and by the way, CD sales up for the first time in a long time. The comeback yeah. is coming. It sounds better, man. It's just the, the, the compression is so much better on a CD and on vinyl. Coming, it's coming. Hey, so listen, man. Say hi to the rest of the of uh, the guys out there. Travel safe. Congrats on the gold. Congrats on the all the stuff you got going on. I'm looking at your schedule. You're in uh, Jersey on the 14th. I'm Asbury Park. I'm gonna. I'm. I check that off on my calendar. If I'm down that way, I'm gonna try to drop in and see you for a bit. It's been a while, so hopefully we'll be oh, able to hang awesome, yeah, hang in Jersey soon. Yeah, man, for Don't sure. Pony, man, absolutely. Thank you, yep. Eddie. I appreciate it, man. All right, you got it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
Thanks to Jericho for visiting with me. Much appreciated. Always good to hang with Chris. Uh, since that interview was done, I saw Fozzie play a show at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. And having seen them from the very beginning and all the evolution that that band has gone through and the work that Chris put into that, uh, he had a lot of obstacles because people just looked at that as a novelty project for a pro wrestler. But Chris really, really put a lot into building that band and has gotten it to the point where they have a bunch of legitimate rock radio hits now. So congrats to him. Recently got a gold record on stage in New York City as well. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com which he was calling in in advance of in the interview you just heard. All right, next up, let's get to it right away. Mark Tremonti. Tremonti, a few weeks ago, shocked everybody when it was announced that he is making a new record singing all Frank Sinatra songs and doing it extraordinarily well. And there is also a charitable component to this uh, that Mark Tremonti is uh, doing. He's giving all the money to charity and launching a charitable initiative around it. The record is very close to coming out, so we thought the timing would be good to bring you this interview in case you missed it when it originally aired on Trunk Nation on Sirius XM. So without further ado, Mark Tremonti, the second guest on this week's podcast. Enjoy. Good to see you, Mark. You're on a bus to, somewhere, right? Good to see you. Yeah, we're in Dallas. Yeah, oh, man. nice. Back on the road. You had mentioned, we were just talking off air, you're out playing shows with uh, with Daughtry. How's that been going? Oh, it's been an awesome tour, man. It's been, um, you know, a lot of times we go out with bands that uh, we tour with often and, and you see kind of the same faces. But with this crowd, we got a lot of new people that don't know us. So it's been, it's been awesome. And that's kind of the idea, right? Especially at this point with your own thing with Tremonti. I mean, you've been in front of the metal crowd. You've been on the big festival circuit. I've seen you a bunch on them and you kill it on that. But the idea to grow it would be to get into in front of some other rock fans that wouldn't necessarily come to see you. What's the reaction been like from the Daughtry audience to what you're doing? Because you, for people that don't know, Mark's Tremonti thing is pretty damn heavy. Yeah, you know, we... Uh at the beginning of the tour, we tried to make it more, uh, play more of our radio style songs, but, uh, you just, you know, we just play to our strengths now and do our own thing. And, you know, you see some of the, some of the fans that might be a little more on the, uh, uh, softer side of things turn around by the end of the show. I think no matter how heavy you are, as long as you do it with a smile on your face, and you're not screaming at them. Um, by the end of it, you're like, these, these kids are great. <laughs> you know, they, you know, some of the, you know, because they're just like, you know, it's just like a, a Greek crowd or sometimes an ultra bridge crowd. We have anybody from 12 years old to 60 years old. So you got to win over those those older, older folks. Do you have a history with Daughtry? What's the connection or how did you end up getting on a, on that tour? Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. I mean, probably I've probably known him for could be over 10 years. You know, I. uh you know, when we did this tour, we had our, our same agent books them. So it was brought up and it, and it worked out. Chris, uh, Chris thought it was a great idea. We thought it was a great idea. And, uh, we've all became such good friends on this tour. I mean, it's, we've all said every day of this tour, all, all three bands, all three crews, how, how great one another is. And, and they're, everybody's so, so great to, 
to, to each other. And it's just been the easiest tour ever. Well, if, if, if you think, if anyone thinks you playing with Daughtry is, is, is just a little bit of stretching out into another zone, uh, what you are here to promote is an entirely different uh, thing. Now, I got to tell you a funny thing about a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, I was in Vegas at my place there and I had uh, come out to my house, Wolfgang Van Halen, because I have a studio there and Wolf came out to do my show and we had a great time and him and Mark from Dirty Honey, we had a great afternoon and our mutual friend and your publicist, Kevin Shiramonti came out and Kevin pulls me aside and he goes, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, Hey, I got something coming from Tremonti. I go, yeah, what do you got? He's like, uh, he's yeah, he's, he's doing a record of Sinatra stuff. And my immediate thought went to, Oh, he's going to do like metalized versions of Sinatra songs. <laughs> and Kevin's like, no, no, no. He's actually doing it. Like, like totally the way you would expect to hear Sinatra. And I'm like, get out of here. And then I saw the video hits and the song hits and it's unbelievable. So I don't even know where to jump in on this, but was, I mean, I know you've always been a big metal fan, but on the other side of that equation, were you always a big fan of Sinatra? Yeah. Growing up every, every time Christmas would roll around, Sinatra would be all through the house. And, um, you know, it's just something that I always, I always liked. And I think when I got older, I felt like I, my range was in his range. So when I'd sing along, I'd feel comfortable. I'd feel like, you know, I, I can, I can, um, relate with his approach to, to the way my, I was the, with the voice I was born with, you know? So I, I, um, I think one night it was, I saw a video of uh, him doing the song as you back in 1944. And I was like, uh, it gave me the chills. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I think I can do this. I'm going to dive in just to have fun. I didn't think I was going to do anything with it other than just have fun with it. Just like when we were a kid, Hey, I, I hear this on the radio. I want to play it yeah, as a guitar player, emulate what this guy's doing. So I chased that down for, a, a couple of years. And then um, when my daughter was diagnosed with Down syndrome, I was like, you know what I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a Sinatra record. I'm going to do it for charity, raise funds and awareness for Down syndrome. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazingly like spot on. I mean, it's incredible that you've done this and people that I know who have heard you do this, who are, you know, into vocalists and singing, they were astonished at how well you did it and how, they, they all, they, so some friends who are into, who are pros and into vocals, they're like, that took yeah. work. Somebody put a lot, of, he put a lot of work into doing that. Can you talk about that? Because, you know, I, I really found it interesting because you and I have talked about this. When you started doing Tremonti and you became the lead singer, it took you a little while to get into a comfort zone. In Alter Bridge, yeah. you know, you maybe sing lead on one song, a record, Miles does the bulk of that. But you've really got to feel full confidence in your voice now to be doing an album of Sinatra. Yeah, man, it's uh, the big difference between a Sinatra record and a modern rock record is there's no doubling vocals. There's no, uh, you know, there's, you know, you don't you don't go in there and pitch correct everything and edit everything. This is this is this is so raw. and so in your face that it's that's what I love about it. And uh, as far as the work that went into it, it's easier to practice your vocals than it is the guitar, because you can't take a guitar with you on every car ride you're in or every, you know, every minute you're you're just sitting around with a headphone on. So I, uh, the most work I got in was my son Pearson. Uh, he's on two soccer teams. So sometimes he'd have three hour practices and we would go from up to four to five times a week. And I would drive 45 minutes to practice, 45 minutes home, three hours of practice. So I'd sometimes get four to five hours of Frank Sinatra singing practice in four to five days a week. And my poor Pearson would have to listen to this <laughs> every day. 
And uh, he would come into the car after practice. Go, Dad, my, my team can hear you in the car. Go park <laughs> on the other side of the parking lot. <laughs> so I, uh, I would bring my laptop in and I would hyperanalyze everything he was doing. And, um, you know, I searched at first on, on YouTube and online to see if anybody had any tips on singing like Frank Sinatra. And, and a lot of people do, but none of them really sounded like Frank Sinatra. They were like these tenors telling you how to sing like Frank Sinatra and they're not really um, sounding like Frank Sinatra, but they're talking about how he sings. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to dive in, do it. Like I did the guitar, just use your ear and um, you know, think of every little thing you can think of as far as, Oh, I, I bought his, I didn't buy it. I, I uh, downloaded his book uh, tips on popular singing that he wrote with his, uh, his vocal instructor when he was a kid, Frank Sinatra. Um, that didn't help a ton, but just listening and, and repeating and, <laughs> A million times over just you just i must have sang these songs thousands of times so when you're going to and from the soccer practice with your son are you listening to frank are you listening to recordings of frank or are you singing them instead or doing both are you listening and singing at the same time or just listening at that point or just singing it how, how did you how did you structure it I made a set list, you know, so I would write down songs. I would put in my iTunes or my Apple music account, the songs that I wanted to sing. And I would play those over and over and over again and go through them every, every day. So by the time I got to soccer practice, I'd get through one rotation uh, of the songs. And, um, you know, sometimes a song wouldn't make it to the final list. You know, I, you know, like uh, I was going to do uh, uh, the ladies, you know, ladies, a tramp, but it never, um, made it you know i just never felt like i delivered that one as well so that i i exchanged that for the best is yet to come or uh the what you know the way you look tonight some of these songs that i really loved practicing didn't make the record because we can only do you know we were told to do 10 and we got up to 14 i wanted to do 50 of these things but um so i would in the car ride just sing along to the set list but when i got to practice that's when i'd break down a specific song break out my laptop write down the lyrics, uh, write them the way he pronounces them. Not, you know, like if he said appealed, A-P-E-E-Y-U-L-D, the way it sounded like he said it. And I'd put a little mark on where he put the vibratos, how he pronunciated each vowel, where he took his breasts, um, just hyper-focused on everything. And um, I just loved it, man. It was just such a good time. And, and uh, I read all the books. I watched all the movies. I just completely obsessed about it. My family's like, how many movies are you going to watch? <laughs> well, you know, so. you kind of touched on this a little bit, but he has a very, very vast catalog of songs. So to determine which ones you were going to include on this record, and for people listening, the record is called Mark Tremonti Sings Frank Sinatra, and it's for charity, which we'll talk about more in a second. Uh, the record's out on May 27th. But was the criteria just what was in your comfort zone or were they, was it your favorite songs? How, how did you, how did you decide which ones to include? It was my favorite songs. I wanted to, um, I didn't want to do just do a typical record that had New York, New York and my way and all the biggest hits. I wanted to do the big hits, but I also wanted to do tracks that people weren't familiar with. Um, like I fall in love too easily is one of my favorite tracks. Wave, wave, I think it could be the coolest song on the record. A lot of people don't, uh, know that one so i wanted to do you know the first song that was his first big hit uh, all or nothing at all you know was on there and i remember when he did his uh when frank sinatra did his farewell concert which really wasn't his farewell concert he started out the set with all or nothing at all so i figured i'd end this record with all or nothing at all you know and uh, 
it's just, uh, you know, I just wanted to, to show Sinatra fans that we're digging deep into his catalog and not just doing the, the obvious hits. Yeah. Now, and for people who have not seen the video, uh, the first single is I've Got You Under My Skin, and that's out now, and there's a video for it. And I got a kick out of the video because in the video, you, you're you owning it. You're wearing the, the suit and tie, and and the the uh, the band, and, and talk about that because the musicians on here, you're actually working with musicians who played with Frank, right? They're backing you yeah. up. Yeah, so when I, when I told my manager I wanted to do this, he's like, uh, what <laughs> he's like you, you know that my guitar teacher growing up with was frank sinatra's guitar touring guitar player dan mcintyre i said i remember vaguely you saying that but that's you know what a great coincidence so he said all right i'm going to set up a lunch meeting with dan and he hooked us up with mike smith who was frank's band leader uh he he played with frank since he was in his 20s 40 years and uh so he set up this meeting with these guys and uh told them about the project to say it sounds great to me but can your boy sing and uh, Tim had never heard me sing Frank Sinatra. And of course, he's my manager. She goes, oh, of course he can sing. <laughs> and uh, so um, so just to make him feel better, I remember I sent him this vocal, this uh, uh, phone message of me just going, they call you lady, you know, sing it to him over the phone so he could hear that I could do it. And um, and then uh, and then sorry, somebody was dialing it. So then um, the, the guys were like, all right, so we believe in you. Now you got to get it past the forces that be in the Sinatra family camp, you know, because they they don't approve things. You know, this is it, that was one of the toughest things we had to do is get their permission. And um, these are people, you know, these are people that don't give permission to anybody but Tony Bennett and Michael Buble. You know, these are uh, tough not to crack. And I think the more and more we talk to them, the more we explain things, um, the more they are on board with it. And uh thank goodness. Cause now it's, it's such a huge endorsement for them to, to be able to put Frank Sinatra's likeness and name on your albums is a, is a huge, huge thing. And I'm truly completely honored and, and couldn't be happier with the way things have turned out. I was going to ask you about that because you, it sounds like you sought that out because you wanted it because legally you could have done this and just paid the writers and paid the publishing and that would have been it. Right. But you wanted yeah. their, you wanted their approval. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think legally you can't put Frank Sinatra's name on the album, you know, unless you unless you get their permission. You you can you can cover the songs because those aren't Frank Sinatra's songs. Those right. those are standards that were written by Cole Porter and everybody else. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, we could have done that, but I wanted to do it the right way. I wanted to do it the respectful way. I really admire everything Frank Sinatra did. And he, uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know is Frank Sinatra raised over a billion dollars for charity and a billion dollars then is, you know, $10 billion now. You know, yeah. He was a huge, hugely charitable guy. Everybody wants to talk about all the drama things that happened in his life. Not, not those things, you know? So he had a, that was just another way the stars aligned for this project. He was such a charitable guy. I wanted to do it in his name. And, um, I'm just such a massive fan that it just all, it all made sense. Where do you think the audience is this for this is Mark? Because, you know, being honest, I mean, everybody respects Sinatra, but if you're a, a Tremonti fan or an Alter Bridge fan or a Creed fan into heavy rock younger, you, this may not, the way you've done this is, 
you know, in this style, it's not, might not connect to certainly to the hard rock crowd. Are you looking for this to connect to the Sinatra fans and people that might not even have ever heard of you? Or do you think it's going to be a little bit of both? Where do you think the audience will come from for this? Will it be all new people finding out about you? You think? I think it's, uh, you know, I had the same concerns that you're, you're talking about right now, but it's crazy. I've gotten so many messages from like metal guys, hard metal guys that are, that are, uh, they're like, I needed this. This is so great. It just puts a smile on my face. You know, guys with like Slayer as their profile pick. Like this is, <laughs> this is Sinatra. Um, it's funny if I did like a pop thing, you know, if I, if I cover fears or something, people might, you know, or, or, you know, not just fears, but you know, something, something more. Uh, culture club. Tremonti does culture have. club. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There you go. There, you know, then, then there might have been some pushback, but I have not seen anything about anybody saying I'm not, you know, this is this is not my cup of tea. Everybody's been so positive about it. And I think metalheads and pop fans and rock fans alike um, have Frank Sinatra in their blood because you can't get away from it. If you, you know, if you live in our world, you can't get away from Frank Sinatra. You're familiar with it. If you're familiar with something, then you see it performed live. There's just something about it that, that draws you to it. Yeah, I mean he's eternally cool. So that's there's that aspect of it too. So so there's that. I'm curious. I listened to some of the other tracks on the record, and you mentioned my way, and I heard some guitar in my way. Do you play guitar on this record at all, or is it all Sinatra's band? No. See, I, I joke about how uh, I, I guarantee you there's gonna be a lot of people that think I'm laying down the guitar on this, but um, it's 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 Dan McIntyre. But you know it's. I'm perfectly happy with people thinking it's me because I think he did an incredible job. And uh, now it, with, especially in my way, you know, that was you, these guys, when they track, they have charts in front of them and they do it by the book. They do it precisely. And they get from start to finish exactly how they're reading it. But my way was the only song where I, you know, I, I said, this song needs to be different. It's, this could be Frank Sinatra's biggest song. And I don't want to do it just like it was, everybody's heard it. I want to put our own spin on it. So that was a time where me and Dan sat together he started playing some comp in the guitar and uh, he would throw a couple different ideas out. I'm like, Ooh, I really like this one. And we roll with it. And then um, we would just build it up. You know, it was just, it was just drums, bass, guitar, and piano on that song. And then any kind of wind instrument you hear was after the fact, you know, most of the stuff was done in the room, but then Mike Smith would go home and add like flutes or something on top of it. Um, but that that was a sad song for me to do because that was the very last song we did all because you didn't need the trump trumpet players and tr trombone players and everybody else in the room um so they they all went home before we did my way but um i was very ha happy with the way it turned out when i was going into the project i was kind of like on the fence about doing my way but i'm so glad we did because now it, that, that's one of my favorite tunes on the record do you envision being able to do this live at any point would you like to be able to sing it live I'm going to do it live on uh, the plan is May 14th. Uh, every, every time we put out a record, whether it be Tremonti or Alter Bridge, we do a listening party where fans will fly in from around the world. They'll get to hear the record like a week before it comes out. And uh, then they'll, there'll be a live performance and merch and meet and greet and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we're going to do that hopefully May 14th. Um, and it's not going to be a big thing. You know, I think it's probably going to be like 300 people in a little, um, little theater and uh that will be our first performance but we're already talking about trying to get more and more lined up because this is something that uh we didn't know 
going into it, what the response was going to be. I just, I just knew that I wanted to raise as much money as I could for, for Down syndrome, but the response has been so uh, over the top. I've never, I remember the morning this came out, um, I was stirring a little bit. Finally, I'm like, I better get up and see how this is doing. And my phone was lit up. Like, like I've never seen, I've, I've got cousins and friends that I haven't heard of and for and from in 15 years everybody was reaching out talking about this and everybody's spreading the word and it was uh i know that the today show clip was such a big help for us you know carson daly got on there and was, was really talking it up and uh you know it was just such a huge last couple of days for me and, and uh i gotta just get out there and do this thing live the biggest thing i worry about is i learned how to sing like frank but the last thing I'm going to do is put on a fedora and act like Frank, you know, I got to do my, I got to do my own thing. But if you notice in all these songs, there's like a 30, 40 second musical break in the middle of them. I don't have a guitar on, you know, what do I do? <laughs> That's the kind of thing. What do you do on stage? Turn, turn the lights off. And let me walk off stage for 40 seconds and come back. I don't know what I, you know, I got to figure out. That's a whole nother thing. I'm going to get thrown to the wolves. Just like when Tremonti started and I didn't know how to be a front man. You can't turn on YouTube and type in, how can I be an entertainer? You know, you got to, right. you got to do it in front of people. So that's going to be the next step. Well, watch the videos like you did. You did your research and see what Frank did during those passages. Right. I mean, that's probably the well, best thing was, to do. He was way, way cooler than me. You know, he'd blow on the <laughs> dice, throw the dice and, you know, he'd do all kinds of cool stuff that I would look like an idiot doing. So I got, I got to take, take the, the not so hip things that he did and try and do it myself. You know, I have, I have a second home in Vegas, as I mentioned, and I'm going there tonight. So this is a perfect soundtrack for me as I fly into Vegas. I'm going to be awesome, channeling man. some Frank, listening to yeah, Mark Tremonti do Frank. Uh, make sure yeah. you give a good push now, Mark, to the charity, because at the end of the day, you've done this for a great charity. I know your daughter, you said, uh, has Down syndrome and that all the proceeds are benefiting that. And above and beyond that, there's a bigger charitable kind of umbrella thing you've created here as well. So yeah. get the word on that on that as well, please. Yes. So um, NBSS is an organization, the biggest Down syndrome organization in the country that that we partnered with. So um, if you go to the site uh, and buy anything, the record or T-shirts or you can just donate without buying anything from uh, from the band um, that will go straight to uh, NDSS. And we'll be able to um, uh, keep track of how much money goes through there. So I want to, you know, every few months be like, hey, we've raised a quarter of a million dollars and this and that we raised almost a hundred thousand dollars the very first day which oh, wow. which we're blown away by and um so we're keeping track of that and uh so so we're doing all this for ndss um but the even bigger picture is uh the, the organization I, i'm starting is called take a chance for charity and uh, what that is is uh anybody can 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 who has a platform do something that their fans would not expect from them. Like say you're a football player, uh, but you fast, you know, you think you're a good country singer, but your fans would kind of come after you say, just throw the football. Don't give us music. Just throw the football. As soon as you do something for charity, people are way more open-minded. I think you're doing a good thing and, and they're going to listen. And uh, instead of saying, go throw the football, they're going to say, what a, you know, what a good guy for raising, uh, you know, funds for this charity. And Hey, it's got a pretty decent voice. I'm going to check it out even further. So I'm already talking to a few people about doing, uh, to take a chance for charity stuff. And um, I'm just, it's going to be like the ice bucket challenge. I'm going to challenge somebody. They're going to challenge some other people and hopefully it just spreads. You know, my, my goal is to be a little old man on my deathbed. That's raised a hundred million dollars for charity. That's my, that's my biggest life's goal right now. And uh, 
but we're on our we're uh we're a hundred thousand dollars on our way at the point so well that's a it's a pretty good start in a pretty quick period of time that's for sure uh before i let you go i gotta ask you uh what's after this obviously this is what you you know the thing going on now but I mentioned on the air to the audience that the Alter Bridge Walk the Sky tour was cut short because right in the middle of it, COVID hit. I remember you were the you guys were the last band I did from the patio of the Rainbow after you played the Will Turn, and then shortly after that, the world changed. What uh, I know, Miles is out with Slash, but that should be wrapping up soon. Uh, you guys have a is Alter Bridge the next thing up? A timetable to do a record and live shows? Yeah, you know, since COVID is, is slowing down, we're just hitting the ground running. You know, this is we have no breaks whatsoever. So um, I'm on a five week tour right now. I play in Dallas tonight, have two more shows after that. And then I travel on the 27th and the very next day on the 28th, I jump into the studio with Alter Bridge. So it's it's a nonstop uh, hit the ground running. And uh, so we're going to record for a little over two months um, and then we're going to head back over to Europe with Tremonti. Uh, for, for the big summer festivals. And then there's a window, which who knows, we might throw some Sinatra in there, which would be, which would be fun as hell uh, alongside some Tremonti touring. And then uh, this winter uh, we'll be hitting Europe with Alter Bridge on tour. So it's this year's pretty, pretty packed. So nothing really, it doesn't sound like for Alter Bridge in the U S until maybe next year. Yeah, it'll probably be early next year because uh, we won't start touring until probably mid-November of this year. And we've already had to book with, like I said, with COVID, we, everybody's been at a standstill. Now that stuff's opening up, every band is reserving these rooms way in advance. So we've had to reserve uh, some of these rooms uh, at the beginning of this year. And, and uh, you know, the, the UK especially is our biggest market in the world. So I think we kind of use that as our tent pole. Like, let's let's go there. Let's build a tour around it. And, uh I think these guys have the tour already all planned out and, and, and booked at this point. And what can you tell me about the next record? Is it already, is it all written and direction wise? How do you feel about it? Me and miles are uh, turning in. We have a Dropbox account with our demos. So we, we both just keep on turning in ideas and it's uh, my manager, Tim is funny. He's like, you and miles are so funny. You'll turn in an idea and then miles will turn in an idea and then he'll turn in two and then he'll turn in two. And it's like, all right, you got one, I got one, you know, so we're just trying to, you know, keep up with one another. And um, we both went into this record like, man, this is this is a lot of pressure. We just came off our solo records. I don't know if I got it in me. I don't know if I can do this in time. But then you put that pressure on yourself and you start making motions. And now we're I think we have too much stuff for the next record. So, um, you know, now it's time. Now it's time to take these demos that we did individually and put the Ultra Bridge spin on it and give them give them new life and 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 make it sound like uh, this, that that this band. Uh, you know how much I love the band. I can't wait to hear what's next, and I can't wait to see you play live. It's uh, you know, it's been a, it's a great catalog. You know, I was clicking through a bunch of different songs from all the Ultra Bridge records the other day, and there's just so much of a great catalog already. So adding Thank to you. it's going to be uh be a bitch to start figuring out a set list and you're gonna have annoying people like me uh -huh. saying you got to play calm the fire you got to play pieces broken you know it's like oh, <laughs> people people think it's funny when i don't remember how to play these songs on the guitar but when you have i don't know 15 rec studio records now i can't remember any of that stuff i can only remember what i'm playing that night <laughs> i'm sure and you know not like as if you don't have enough things on your plate one last thing and i always bring this up to you any movement or any discussion about ever doing, even if it's just live shows with Creed again, 
because uh you know that as you know that music it's interesting how time changes perception i was in a supermarket the other day and i heard creed over the sound system it's like it's yeah. become a different generation's classic rock as you know and i don't know yeah. where relations are with you got with scott but i mean have you ever thought about that and doing shows even at some point yeah we always um you know, we, we had talked to some people about doing some shows and then the COVID stuff just made it so difficult. You know, um, it's just got, I think when, when, when Creed does another tour or songs or whatever it, it does, it needs to be unhindered by what's going on in the world. It needs to be a nice big, uh, you know, out, you know, it, it's just tough right now. We, we were, we were thinking about it. Um, you know, it's, it's always, it's always a possibility, but it just needs to be the, the right moment. And right Are now this year, this year's no, crazy I was just gonna busy. say, are you in touch with Scott? Are you guys on good terms? Yeah, I mean, when we've talked, uh, gosh, the last time we talked was a few months back, but yeah, we're on good terms. And my my wife and his wife uh, message each other all the time. And uh, his wife had just actually reached out uh, to Victoria about this new cause and the charity and said how, how beautiful it was. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're we're uh, we're adults now, you know, we're we're we've been, we've seen a lot of life since the Creed days. And, uh, I think we all agree that, um, you know, Creed was such a, such a, a big thing back in the day. It'd be a shame not to uh, let people relive their childhood, you know, things, you know, cause it's, so it's, uh, good, good, uh, good possibility at some point. There's that old saying, I talk about it on the air all the time. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And when you see bands that don't, aren't that active and don't play that often, five, six, seven years, and they come back, it's gargantuan because people just haven't seen them. And it's fresh. Even if it's old, it's fresh to them. And, you know, so many bands maybe play a little too much. So these promoters, everybody's looking for something to put at the top of that bill that they don't have every year. And I notice that a lot. Like even look at like Limp Biscuit, where they, they caught a lot of shit back in the day. They just came yeah. back and announced a tour. They're playing like multiple nights in arenas where a few a few yeah. years ago they were playing theaters. So it's amazing how time changes perception and builds demand for stuff that people don't get all the time. Yeah, yeah, man. And and uh Limp Biscuit, I mean, they they still put on one of the I think one of the best live shows you'll ever see, you know. So it's uh you go to a European festival with all these metal bands and head and Limp Biscuit will be headlining and Limp Biscuit will just annihilate that crowd. It's uh, yeah. every every time. Yeah, so it's uh, that's another reason why they're probably selling out. It's just a great experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, listen, man, um, it's great catching up with you. A couple more shows with uh, Daughtry uh, Tremonti's out there right now. You said you're in Dallas tonight playing. Dallas tonight, Houston tomorrow, New Orleans, and then home. And then uh, Alter Bridge stuff coming, a record coming, and then uh, shows in Europe, hopefully U.S. shows next year. And then most importantly, uh, the charity and Mark Tremonti sings Sinatra, released May 27th. Single and video is out now. And uh, is there a central website for the charity, Mark, just where everybody should go that you want to put out there? I, I think it's just Tremonti sings Sinatra. Um, I think that's the site. I should know. I should know this stuff, but I think that's it. I think if you Google that, it will, it will come up. And uh, like I said, there's a donate now button. There's, there's all kinds of merch in there. And uh, I think the most important thing that I, that, that I could ask people to do even beyond just buying the record is uh, asking their favorite bands and their favorite artists or whoever it is to, to, to do the take a chance for charity project. Cause that's the, that's the most important thing right now is to get the ball rolling, get, get more people doing it. 
And I think that that today's show clip and all the positive responses has gotten is really going to help us to get other people to, to see that it could be a big, uh, you know, a big book for them and a big, great cause for them. So hopefully that, that happens. Well, I'll definitely help you get the word out on that. Anything I can do, just let me know. Happy to uh, spread the word on it. Uh, good to talk to you, man. It's good to see you as always. And uh, hopefully we'll hang in person soon. And congrats on this. And we'll, uh, we'll continue letting people know about it and help the cause as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. All right. Good seeing you, Mark. Take care. Great to see you. You too. See you, man. Well, thanks to Mark. Be sure to check out the uh, Sinatra record if you are interested in hearing what it sounds like. Uh, that will be coming out in full soon. A couple songs already posted from it. It's remarkable how well he sings Frank Sinatra and really, really got into it. You heard more about that, of course, in the interview that just wrapped up. Thanks earlier to Chris Jericho as well for joining me on the podcast. Thanks to Joel Pollock for producing at Eddie Trunk on social media. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Hope everybody has a great week. Join me every day on Volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, live daily, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Talking Rock with you. Have a great week. Hope to catch you on Volume. Otherwise, back here next Thursday. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.